just so you're aware of kind of where we're at on the journey of Term 1 2021, in a couple of weeks' time, so not this following Sunday, but the one after that, we're going to begin a Lenten season together as a, as a church, and we are going to, I'm just so looking forward to this, we're going to just look at the stations of the cross, and we're going to take a, a, a very intentional biblical journey leading up to Easter. And so that's going to start in a couple of weeks' time. Next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about why we do things like Lent and, uh, and just kind of prepare us for that season. And I'd love to encourage you to engage with it. Um, and so the next couple of Sundays, though, are a little bit more um, uh, Harvey shooting from the hip and a little bit of a hobby horse like, oh, what's, you know, what I've been chewing on recently. And, uh, and, and it kind of ties in a little bit as we start the year as well, just around what the flavour of this church is, uh, just because of um, some of the things I'm passionate about. And so I just want to share a little bit about today this whole idea of, of us being a both-and community rather than an either-or community. Um, we live in this either-or world. We live in this really uh, polarised world where people are becoming less and less civil, uh, which is a really dangerous combination, right? More polarised and less civil. It's just, uh, it's, it's there for us all to see. And whether it's to do with politics or edu- you know, how we do education or uh, views on the treaty, uh, people at opposite ends of the ideological spectrums kind of scream louder and louder and listen less and less. And there's this great divide that continues to widen and deepen. But we are not called to be those sort of people. We are people that are called to follow the way of Jesus, people that can listen uh, and, to, and to actually hold things in tension. And to be a follower of Jesus is to get comfortable with tension. Uh, most, uh, I remember one of my theology teachers would say that good theology is normally two truths held in tension together, right? Good theology, and, and so and people are like, what do you mean? Like, for example, Jesus was both fully God and fully human. Now, the minute that we lean one way too far on either one of those, we, we walk into heresy. So we've got to hold intention together that Jesus is fully God and fully human, Right? That's what we do as, as Christians. Uh, we've got to hold in tension the fact that the kingdom of God has broken in in Jesus. Hallelujah. And we've got to hold in tension the fact that the kingdom is yet to come. Jesus told parables about both. And so we hold intentionally things. Rich Nathan, who wrote a fantastic book called Both And, and I stole the title of the sermon from him, is this. He said this, To be a disciple of Jesus is to live in tension. We worship one God who exists in three persons. We, see, we serve Jesus, who is both fully God and fully man. We live in a world that is both good and fallen. And the kingdom of God that Jesus announced is both already here and is still yet to come. The tension exists not only in what we believe and experience, but in who we are, both sinner and saint. Right? We've got to acknowledge that there's this kind of both-and thing that goes along here. That, uh, that we're people of, of unbelievable grace and mercy, And at the same time, that grace and mercy causes us to holiness. That grace and mercy doesn't say, oh, your sin's fine. It's it's grace and mercy. And then it's like, come, live in a place of holiness, of righteousness. Uh, That we're called to to both proclaim in word and proclaim in deed the proclamation and the demonstration of the gospel. It's not either or. And on and on and on we could go. To love God and to love people. And the secular project is that we can love your neighbour as yourself without loving God with everything that you've got. That's the secular uh, dream. Uh, and so uh, I want to talk about a few things that uh, I'm passionate about in terms of our discipleship journey that are both and. 
And I want us to be a community that's going to lean into the both end. And uh, you would have seen just before the picture of the, the taco girl from back in the day. There's this meme that went around from this ad back in the day with tacos where it was like they're having this argument. Should we have hard tacos or should we have soft tacos? And they're having an argument as the family and all the rest of it. And then this little girl's like, why not both? And then you can buy these tacos that are both, you know, they have some hard ones in the box and they have some soft ones in the box. And the whole Mexican village goes bananas and cheers and sticks her on their shoulders and says, what a legend of changed our little society. Why not both? So I want to talk about this whole idea of why not both? Why not both? And there's a couple of areas in particular I think hold enormous power for our spiritual journeys if we move beyond an either or and embrace a heart that says yes, both and. And in my experience following Jesus, you know what he's really good at doing? He's really good at turning water into wine. I love that. That's been the experience of my life, that he's good at turning water into wine. He makes things richer. He makes things more interesting. He makes things more tasty. Hallelujah. And as you journey through life, and as I talk through some of these things about the two things that we want to hold in tension together and have at both end, there'll be one in particular that will be weaker for you. And I want to invite you to lean into that side of things because your spiritual journey and your discipleship journey will get richer with him if you go uh, on that journey together. So here's the first thing that I want us to, uh, to lean into, the both and rather than either or. The first thing is this, that we uh, can be both charismatic and contemplative. But what I mean by charismatic, for some of you guys, is like, what the heck does that word even mean? So charismatic is what you call churches that love the Holy Spirit and believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit today. They'll normally have contemporary worship like we do here. Uh, they've normally got bigger bands. <laughs> um, but not as good looking as our guys. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Just believe that the Holy Spirit's at work today. And that for the believer today, you can, you can uh, experience the power of the Holy Spirit and you can move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can speak in tongues. You can uh, have words of knowledge. All that stuff is for today. Now, the contemplative churches or mainline churches are more liturgical. They uh, probably won't have um, as uh, the, uh, you know, they're probably still debating whether the kick drum should be allowed on the stage. And, um, and uh, those, they're, they're more uh, liturgical. They value silence a bit more uh, and, uh, and often have very good rhythms in terms of engaging with the Word of God throughout an average day. And... Uh, and the problem has been sometimes, like even as I talk about the charismatic, everyone's like, oh, I can feel it in the room. Talk about liturgical mainline, it's like. <laughs> and that's because if you come from a liturgical mainline background, you're not going to give me feedback because that's exactly so that's, that's all good. Um, but here's the problem is that either or thinking has permeated our churches sometimes where we look at mainline, more uh, contemplative liturgical churches and we say, they're dead. There's no life. Liturgy is just dead. That's just religious. There's no Holy Spirit. There's no passion. There's no fire, right? Now, I'm going to ask for a show of hands about who's thought those sort of thoughts about those sort of The more traditional uh, conservative uh, mainline um, uh, liturgical churches will look at charismatics and be like, they're crazy. They're weird. <laughs> There's no spiritual disciplines. It's all fluff and bubble and woo, let's hang from chandeliers. There's no depth. There's no you know, roots to this whole thing. It's all, you know, and that's it. And they're barely reading their Bibles, which is true. <laughs> and it's like, 
So here's it. Let's move from an, I want us to be a church that's not either or, but both and. Sign me up for both and. Because I tell you what, in my journey with the both and, it's water to wine, baby. It's water to wine when you move from, I'm the, you know, this is my tribe and that's it. It's like, no, there's so much richness and traditions that aren't your normal experience. There's so much life in them. Jesus was both contemplative and liturgical and passionate and spirit-filled, and I want to be more like him. He, uh, the disciples were so moved when they saw the depth of Jesus' prayer life. Like it was so rich and so beautiful that they were like, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus, like these disciples grew up in a prayer culture. Like the whole nation was orientated around rhythms of prayer every day. So they knew how to pray. But when they saw Jesus, they were like, there's a whole nother level of depth there. That's so beautiful. Teach us to pray. And what does Jesus give them? He gives them a liturgical prayer. He doesn't say to them, ask the Holy Spirit to just give you the words to say and you to say whatever you want. He's like, here's how you pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, a, And he gives us this prayer. Now, the Saying in that by rote is fine. It's a beautiful, rich prayer. All around the nations and all around the world, people will say that prayer on this special day. But Jesus said it to give a framework for, for your prayers. It wasn't just to be said by rote, but a liturgical prayer can anchor us so that we can pray deeper prayers. Because the danger is that if we just leave the praying up to ourselves without any sort of framework, then angry people will pray angry prayers. Fearful people will pray fearful prayers. Anxious people will pray anxious prayers. And greedy people will pray greedy prayers. And most of us are super self-centered, so our prayers are just all about us as well, right? It's all about me. Our Father, straight away, it's you. Hallowed be your name. We worship you, Lord. What an amazing God that you are. Even just as I lift my gaze to who you are. Whoa, you're amazing. You know, Lord, give me today my daily bread. You know, all of that stuff frames how we can pray. It's very interesting that um, uh, in Acts chapter 2, there's this lovely both-end moment. In Acts chapter 2, the beginning of it says the Holy Spirit poured out. Uh, for the, and the church is born and it's power and it's tongues of fire and it's new tongues and hallelujah. And then at the end of Acts chapter 2, it says they committed themselves to fellowship. They committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. They committed themselves to the breaking of bread. Uh, and the, the last thing, they committed themselves to prayer. Now, if you look in your Bible, it'll say they committed themselves to prayer. Now, the interesting thing in the Greek, though, is that actually before that, there's a definitive article, the, the prayer, the prayers. So they committed themselves to the prayers. That's literally what the original Greek says in Acts 2.42. They committed themselves to the prayers. I was, trust me, I was looking at the original Greek last night to double check. Uh, nerd alert. Uh, blue, letter, blue letter Bible, you can go there. It's the prayers. It's the definitive article before it. So the, therefore, the logical question is, what are those prayers, Right? They committed themselves to the prayers. They, so they were the prayers that Jesus taught them how to pray. They were the prayers that were part of the Israelite culture back in the day. The prayers were like this framework that they could use to, uh, to, to go deeper in prayer with God. Uh, and so uh, the reality is that liturgical prayers are not dead or alive. It's just impossible for a liturgical prayer to be dead or alive. It's the wrong category to put it in. It's literally impossible. The category you put liturgical prayers in is are they true or false? That's the, that's the category you put. They can't be anything but true or false. Now, the person praying them can be dead or alive, 
But they, they, they're either true or not true. That's what a latitude, and there's depth there. It's either true or false. And so, for example, there are times I think we need to trust the prayers of others wiser than us, who've walked deeper lives of spiritual depth than us, and give ourselves in humility to the wisdom and the depth of these prayers that have been vetted by the church, prayers that have been composed with great intention. At times, I think we've got to humble ourselves, especially speaking to a predominantly charismatic world here, and say there's so much richness found in prayers that have not been written by you. For example, uh, if I want to pray a prayer of gratitude, there's only so much I can say before I, you know, it just gets a bit lame. But listen to this. Listen to this. Almighty God, Father of all mercies. Just stop and let that. We, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and your loving kindness to us and all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, our preservation, for all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love. I mean, I've only said four lines. Beat that. Someone try and beat that. I mean, that's just huge. We, we, we are, for the means of grace, that means for the ways that you help sanctify us, for the ways that you've set us free, for the means of grace, for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts, we may show forth your praise, not just with our lips, but with our lives. Imagine praying that every day. Woo-wee. Right, that's, that's wine right there. That's wine prayer. That's not water prayer. I could go on. (laughs) So there's this contemplative side. Contemplation is to stop and to be still. Is to stop and be still. Jesus went to lonely places and, and went to silent places as a regular part of his prayer life. I want to follow Jesus. I want to imitate Jesus. I want to go to, in this crazy world with phones and noise and traffic, I want to go to a lonely place and be still. Because to, to be still is to, to be contemplated is to be still and reflect on God's nation, nature and to be still in his presence. Brian Zahn says this contemplation helps us from looking at the world with frightened self interest and it opens the door to love. It opens the door to love. Honestly, I, I, on some of the stuff, um, it's daily. Some of the stuff, like so it's, it's not daily, but two or three times a week, I'll go to a, a, a little seat by the beach or whatever, and I'll just be still. And I'll just be like, during the lunch break, you know, I have a lunch break, and so it's like self-imposed. And it's a mission sometimes to stop working. No, I'm going to choose. I'm going to go on my little wander from my lunch break, and I'm just going to sit and I'm going to be still. And then all the stuff can be happening. Then I'm like, no. Lord, help still my squirrel mind (laughs) and help just still my heart. And Lord, now I just want to be aware of your presence and I'm just going to sit and be still and enjoy your presence and enjoy intimacy with you. The most precious, powerful moments. I'm not thinking about you, reading about you. I'm I'm just sitting in your presence like friends do in silence and stillness. The goal of contemplative prayer is love, to embrace the world in love. And let's go hard on the charismatic. 
and let's go hard on the charismatic, and tongues, and worship, and ministry of the Holy Spirit, and spontaneous prayers of the heart, both, both and. Why don't we do both? Let's do both prophecies and words of knowledge and expectation that we would have an encounter with the power and the presence of God. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than any of you. Let's speak in tongues every day. Let's, you know, Bluetooth these days, who cares what people, you know, people don't know if you, back in the day, if you used to jabber in your car on your own, you were weird. Now you're just talking on the phone. So jabber in tongues and people think you're Bluetoothing it. It's all G. Let's pray in tongues. Let's stir up our spirits. Let's, you know, uh, last weekend after um, the Waitangi Day service, I went away uh, and this is a pastor fail story. So just be aware, this is not going to make me look good. Uh, we went away with Eli on a tramp and on this tramp, um, man Paul Duncan, uh, Paul Duncan wandered in there uh, and there was a uh, poor Hari Krishna guy that turned up because it turned out that me and Paul were Christians and the other two guys that were in the, in the room were Christians. And, uh, and unfortunately I saw one of the, the most um, terrific, you know, horrific forms of evangelism, you know, it was just, it was so, me and Paul were just <laughs> trying to crawl under, you know, a rock or something and it was just, it wasn't listening, it wasn't caring, it wasn't engaging, it was just rote stuff, right? And so, and then the, the guy didn't know, you know, so eventually Paul, thank goodness, breaks the, the moment. And then the guy looks at me and says, oh, and so, bro, what do you do <laughs> to try and, like, get out of this position? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'm really sorry. And so then we uh, had a great yarn with him. Um, and I was like, and Jesus always started by asking people questions. So we started asking him questions. And I said, it was just lovely. And we didn't go around to spiritual matters, but, um, but then uh, we all went to sleep. And I got a word of knowledge for him. And, uh, and then, uh, unfortunately, because I think of what happened the night before, um, by the time I was out of bed, he'd gone. <laughs> it was gone. And I was like, I was all wrong. I'm going to go up and give him a word of knowledge. And then I'll tell everyone at church on Sunday and I'll be the most inspiring little preacher in the world. And he was gone. And he was gone. But I'm like, that, apart from the fail at the end there, <laughs> this is what God loves doing. He loves bringing words of knowledge into people's lives that just open something and crack. We need more of the gifts of the Spirit to be used in the church as great training ground. But the purpose of those gifts is to bless the world, to crack people open. And so let's keep stirring up. Let's do the both end of the charismatic and the contemplative. Only a two-point sermon today, friends. Hallelujah, isn't God good? Here's my second point. So first one, let's go for it in terms of the charismatic and the contemplative. Let's, let's embrace both streams and see the water turn to wine. Secondly, uh, let's uh, have a, a posture that's both head and heart, not head or heart. Head and heart. So either or statements around head and heart stuff would be this. We don't, so if people are kind of a bit resistant to, to the kind of intellectual side of Christianity, it'd be like, we don't need all this complicated, heady stuff. We just need the Holy Spirit. We just need passion. We make it so complicated, all people need an encounter with God. That's the, that's the either or statements around uh, thinking Christians. And then you've got the other side where you've got these people that get really into the whole like academic side and they're like, oh man, look at all these people. There's all this passion, no depth. They get frothed up and passionate but don't have the wisdom to discern what God's truth is and what the televangelists are spinning, whether they're biblical or not. And they're wanting to meet with God but they're not prepared to know Him and love Him with all of their mind. And so... Um, but the problem with the, sometimes you get so caught in the head, you can get cynical about things of the heart and the power of God to transform life. Both, those are the either or things. And I'm like, let's not have an either, let's have a both and. Uh, 
I would just say this, reject any statement that would, would put thinking and deep thought against passion and heart and Holy Spirit. They're not, they don't cancel each other out. They're not, they're not mutually exclusive. Both and. Jesus modeled this again beautifully. You know that, um, that for, for the Jewish kids, they had to memorize the Torah as part of just their culture. So Jesus grew up and he knew the Bible off by heart by the time he was 13. Like, that's pretty intense, right? And then we see, the first thing we see Jesus doing is like sparring with the intellectuals, like, going, oh, no, I don't think this is what the scriptures are saying, right? And, uh, and so Jesus says of his disciples, come and learn of me. Come and learn of me. He says, uh, you know, the greatest commandments are to love him with our heart and our mind, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. It's both and. Uh, and it's interesting, uh, after the resurrection, Jesus does a 40-day block course on the kingdom of God. Uh, I don't know if I've got the scripture, sorry. Uh, in Acts 1, 3 to 5, it says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And then he says, uh, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For the John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, and again, very, very quickly in this very significant part of the church's journey, we see both an academic thing that Jesus teaches them about the kingdom. This is what the kingdom's about. And, and it's so stimulating, so invigorating, so fascinating, so beautiful. It will cause you to love him and worship him. And then it's like, and then also go to Jerusalem. Don't, don't leave there until fire from heaven falls and sets your hearts aflame. It's both and, I love it. And so uh, when it comes to the head, this is all about wisdom. This is about pursuing wisdom. Proverbs 2 uh, is, uh, in fact, all of Proverbs is the celebration of knowledge that leads to wisdom. Uh, we need this in, in our day more than ever. The wisdom about how to live well, how to, you know, when you choose not to pursue wisdom and knowledge, you are setting yourself up for a world of pain. I've seen it far too many times. Most of our nightmares have happened, right, in terms of choices we've made or things we've gone through because we haven't pursued wisdom. We've just tried to do it on our own or hope for the best or fingers crossed or all I need is the Holy Spirit and that's enough. No, no. Love Him with all of your mind and let your heart be set on fire for Him. It'll save you a world of pain. Read, listen, have a teachable spirit. Explore the glorious book that is central to our faith, the Bible. 66 different books written thousands of years ago in a totally different culture and language that's not our own. When people said something back then, it meant different to what we say now and all the rest of it. You've got to get in there. And it, it's so rich. It's like bread for your soul. It's so beautiful. The reality is that everyone has a theology. It's whether it's been intentionally developed or just inherited and you've picked it up as you've gone along. Everyone's got a theology. Whether it's good or bad, helpful or not, it doesn't matter. Everyone has theology. And so I'm like, let's, let's make it intentional. Let's make it developed. Let's make it wrestled with. Let's make it deep because it leads to life. It leads to freedom and it leads to a knowledge of God. The fruit is good. The fruit's good. You, know, you guys know I read a lot. And uh, I read a lot because I'm like, I'm desperate for wisdom. I'm desperate for wisdom. Being a pastor in this day and age is not easy. <laughs> I need wisdom. Uh, I want to serve my wife. I want to serve my children. And I want this role to be a blessing to them, not something that they regret. 
And so I need wisdom. So I'm reading and I'm reading. How, how do I do this in such a way that honours you? Our eschatology, what we think about end times, seriously impacts how we live today. Massively. And so we need to wrestle with what is our hope? What is the Christian hope? Our view on the nature of hell is hugely important to our understanding of what the soul is made of and what God is like. So we need to wrestle with those sort of subjects. We need to wrestle with this stuff. Paul was really passionate about this. In Colossians verses 1, 9 to 10, he says this. For this reason, since the day we, from since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. What, have they, what has Paul been praying for the church in Colossia? He says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Can you see how beautiful a both-end moment that is? The Holy Spirit wants to help you get wisdom and knowledge. Hallelujah. So that you may, what's the fruit? You may live a life worthy of the Lord that gives honour and glory to Him, that looks like the kingdom of God, that's filled with the life of God, and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Beautiful. In times, Paul gets a little testy with, uh, with groups. He says this in Romans 10 verse 2. I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their, ve- their zeal is not based on knowledge. How interesting. Really passionate, but no depth. Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Knowledge and depth, so that your love would, more and more, so you'll be like, Ooh, discover some other thing about God. Ooh, isn't he amazing? Oh, it helps, you know, I just want to love Matt a little bit more because of just who you are, God, and what an amazing thing. And, you know, as you discover more of who he is, as you do that mahi, and up here, it actually sets this on fire more and more. So that you may be able to discern what is best. We need the gift of discernment more than ever. What is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Really practically, if there's a subject that you're wrestling with, it would be my joy to help you. And I'm, uh, I just see myself as a doctor that gives prescriptions. I'm like, oh, that's the thing. Well, I found this book helpful. I prescribe you that book. And if you don't like reading, and I totally appreciate for some of you that's a mission, then I'll be like, here's a podcast or here's a sermon that would be helpful as well. I love, and, and most of the time I've got something I can tap into relatively quickly because I love wrestling with this stuff. There's no fear in love. And there's no fear in pursuing an understanding of God. That's called theology. There's no fear. The more you discover, the more life there is, the more beautiful He is, the more He's worthy of worship. There's nothing to fear in that journey. It'll be my joy to help you and cheer you on. Do you have to agree with everything I give you? No, that's the freedom we have in Jesus. Hallelujah. Both and baby, sweet as. We are united by the creeds though. That's the non-negotiables. Everything else we wrestle with and debate, and I'm not sure about that. Oh, and it's so healthy and so rich and so good. So practically that. So yes, let's, let's love Him with all of our mind and with all of our hearts and with all of our souls, and let's be passionate for Him. We, I, I want to encourage us as a church to have just a greater expectation that the Holy Spirit wants to be poured out in this place and that we would hunger for it and that we would long for it. Lord, we want more of You. We need to encounter You. We're going to press in for You. Over Lent, we're going to have a season of prayer and fasting. And for 21 days, I want to call us not to pray necessarily fast that whole time, just see if every time asterisks but just to pray and fast that God would do something in this nation that God would do something in this region that God the Holy Spirit would be poured out because it's not just about an academic thing it's about an encounter thing 
And it doesn't mean that if you have the encounter that we dismiss the academic. No, both are glorious, gloriously life-giving. But we want to also believe that the Holy Spirit wants to move and we want to encounter that. We want fire to fall. We want to encounter the power of God. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 5 verse 5, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Apostle Paul says that the thing that secures us, that gives us joy in the face of incredible trials is this direct experience of love poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's the thing. We need to be reassured that that God is real and that He loves us and that the Christian story is true and that there is a reason to hope. We need something that goes beyond our intelligence, our deducing, our reasoning, and that's the Holy Spirit. He sets us on fire. We need all of us a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit that we'd be on fire for Him. Uh, um, Jaroslav Pelikan, uh, uh, again, all of these scholars are massively complicated names, uh, but he's one of the most incredible church historians. He says this, The history of the church has never been altogether without the spontaneous gifts of the Holy Spirit. From the first century to the 20th, from Antioch to Azusa Street, the, the accounts have been gathered and preserved to challenge the skepticism of unbelievers and to build the faith of believers. In the light of such overwhelming evidence, the church today can look to the past with gratitude for what God has done, to the present with faith in His still awesome power, and to the future with hope for the great miracles He will uh, yet accomplish. Hallelujah. I want that. I want it. And, and I want this in our church, an expectation that the Holy Spirit is at work. Uh, uh, that, that, um, there's a song that Matt's going to sing, um, and I'd love us to join in worship with this as we finish in a second. Um, but it's called Send the Rain. And uh, my old church in uh, Christchurch um, released this album last Friday. And, um, and I know all of those guys, like I was on the last album when we went to the New Zealand Music Awards and thought we were quite a minor Christian celebrities and we're very proud of our little album. This is the, the first one they've done without me. And so I'm sort of really proud of, um, of just how, what God's doing there. And my lovely friend Barzi, who uh, is now the worship pastor there, has written this song, and it's just the cry of his heart. He's this young guy, and it's he just and it's the song that just says, "Send the rain, send the rain, send your rain, Holy Spirit, on this place. Send the rain." And I've just been listening to that on repeat. Honestly, he's going to get so many royalties out of my little uh, repeat streams this last week or so. But it's like, and I've just, I was walking around Napier on Wednesday, and I just had that, and I'm barely holding it together, and I'm like, "Send the rain on this place, Lord." send the rain. And then I'm like, also, Lord, would you send the rain on my church so that I'm not the only one? And I know I'm not. Walking around Napier saying, send the rain, send the rain. But Lord, begin with me. Begin with me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. So we won't gain more of the Spirit by having less of the Word, and we won't depend less on the Word by having more of the Spirit. We need both. Both and I want people that are deep and thoughtful and have worked through this stuff and have hearts that are on fire because the Holy Spirit has filled them and they want more of Him. I want people who, who, who are praying in tongues on, in their private world with Jesus and who are looking for words of knowledge for people in their workplaces and then who have been still and who are, who are using liturgical prayers to shape how they pray and are tapping into the streams of ancient history in our church that are so filled with life. I want us to be people that are charismatic and contemplative and liturgical, people that have their heads that love them with, all of, with everything they've got and hearts that love them with everything they've got. We can be both, and I want to cheer us on to be both. Amen? 
What we're going to do to finish this morning is uh, take communion uh, while Matt sings. This, this is, for me, this is epic combination of what we want to do. I want us to take communion, and I'm going to use Anglican liturgy to get us there, right? While Matt sings, send the rain. That's cool. Both end moment. And here's what I want to encourage. We're going to, the, the boys with muscles are going to bring over the communion table. We're going to have it right in the middle here. But here's what I'd love you to do. Uh, as we, after we've taken communion, I'd love to invite you to do one of two things. Firstly, um, uh, the, the first option is that you, you want to, as I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit's been serving something in you and saying, um, I want to lean in more on this. I don't want to have an either or. I want to lean more into the contemplative or I want to lean more into the charismatic or I want to love him with my mind a whole lot more or I, want to, I need some more passion and some more zeal. So whatever one of those two it is, I'd love you to just come to the Lord and say, I want it. Turn the water into wine, Lord. I want it. I want more. And so if you want more of the contemplative stuff, then take communion and find somewhere and just be still with the Lord. Just find a little spot. It can be just exactly where you were in your chair. Or go back and just be still and enjoy His presence. And maybe uh, look up a prayer that you could use just to pray. That's a set prayer. You look on your phone or whatever, you have permission to do that. Um, but maybe some of you are like, man, I'm dry. I need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. I want more of Him. I want, I want fire in my bones again. I'm tired of feeling dry. I need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so if that's you, then if you want to go over to this side where we've got the prayer banner, uh, and, and we've got a number of guys in our church who would just love to pray that God would fill you afresh with His Spirit. So come up and take communion and then go over there. And it's not, we don't hype him up, he comes down. It's not people, you know, more anointed, or he's the anointed one. We're just simply saying, come. The most beautiful prayer, come Holy Spirit. Fill this, and he'll meet you and he'll fill you afresh. Is that all good? Let's stand together and let me welcome you to the table by... Um, I'll just say this first. And so we declare this morning that you are holy, Lord God. Holy, 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 Lord. God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. To you indeed be glory, almighty God, because on the night before he died, your son Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given you thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is given to you. Do this to remember me. And after supper, he took the cup. And when he'd given you thanks, he gave it to them and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. Do this as often as you drink it to remember me. And so we proclaim that Christ has died, that Christ has risen, and that Christ will come again in glory. Therefore, loving God, recalling now Christ's death and resurrection, we ask you to accept that this is our sacrifice of praise. Send your Holy Spirit upon us and our celebration here this morning, that we may be fed with the body and the blood of your Son and be filled with your life and your goodness. Strengthen us, Lord God, to do your work, to be your body in the world. Unite us in Christ and give us your peace. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honour and glory now and forever.